0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 37 of the Roses and Rhetoric podcast. As you can see, my normal and scrappy co host is uh, unavailable for the episode today. So, we have a guest co host today. This is Ginny from the GT podcast. Um, Ginny, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Hey, uh, uh, my name's Ginny, and I also have a podcast called GT. It's not as legit as the Roses and Rhetoric podcast, so don't come listening expecting an episode every week. They really go hard. Um, I'm actually coming out with a new episode probably tomorrow. So it'd be Sunday. Right now it's Saturday. Uh, the let's say the 19th. So on the 20th, I'll have a new episode out. Give it a listen if you'd like. Um, I'll be talking about something pretty interesting, I think um and yeah that's me you can also find me on instagram at jenny kitties and you can follow my podcast page at GT podcast um and i'm on youtube and you can listen to me wherever you find a podcast
0: everywhere so we have a very special episode for today um I know that some of you might be saying to yourselves, are we still gonna review uh, Beginning of Infinity even though Jimmy's not here? And the answer is yes. Um, we both read chapter eight of Beginning of Infinity and we'll be talking about that. Um, but before we do that, we're going to also have a music review and then we'll also have a movie review today. Um, but before we get started all that, let's uh, let's start with the weekly roundup. Um, Jeannie, how was your week?
1: it was really good uh yeah i just booked a ticket to greece i'm so excited it's going to be so much fun you're actually going to
0: i'm going to greece
1: (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that's really exciting i've always like wanted to go and um i don't know I i just didn't think it'd be happening like so randomly i suppose uh joe's coworker kind of hit him up out of the blue and asked him if he wanted to go and then Joe invited me and yeah I love a good travel trip I love traveling so I'm just really excited it's it's my thrill I suppose and I'll also get to scuba dive which is like one of my all-time favorite hobbies I just love being underwater and so yeah really excited for
0: that you know we're very excited for Greece very excited to resume international travel now that some of the restrictions are are being lifted I understand that Greece is one of the first places to lift travel because essentially people there are starving without the tourist industry, so we'll be able to help out some some local uh Greeks Greek people with our with our visits
1: yeah fuel their economy
0: and fuel their economy <laughs> um, My week went well um this week too um I did have one complaint that I wanted to make. Uh, specifically it's a complaint about about big appliance Um, so as cities are getting bigger and more people want to move to cities uh, apartments are getting smaller and today it's not uncommon to have a studio apartment for example just one giant room where you live and I think that big appliance needs to keep up with these times Uh, there's too many appliances out there. Like it's not uncommon, like for my apartment, for example, I have a microwave right next to my bed and a dishwasher and they have the brightest LED lights I've ever seen on these.
1: One moment, so are you saying you have a studio?
0: I do have a studio. Okay. I do have a studio apartment and about eight feet away from my bed is a dishwasher with the brightest LED lights I've ever seen. And if, as anyone knows, if you want to have a good night's sleep, you need to eliminate all the sources of light around you. Otherwise, it messes with your circadian rhythm, et cetera, et cetera. It's just not good. Furthermore, these user the interfaces for these dishwashers are insane. I, I found myself in a position the other night where my dishwasher was in a state where it would beep every six minutes. It would just beep. And... I got up out of bed, I pushed a couple buttons, went back to bed, and then six minutes later, it beeped. (laughs) I got up again, and it just beeped again. And as I pushed every single combination of buttons, and it was totally unresponsive, it kept beeping, I finally just got up and flipped the breaker. But I, I think this is a call to action for all these appliance companies and all these apartment complexes to come up with a better solution to this, right? Like, let's make some sort of, uh, I don't know, sleep timer on the lights of the microwaves, or let's make dishwashers that don't beep every six minutes.
1: Well, think about it, though. I mean, as the world gets bigger, there's more people, the more construction we're needing, they're going to find cheaper ways to build these apartments and these appliances. Is it really a bad thing? Or is this kind of just like how things are going to go?
0: I think we got to get with the times. We got to we 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 got to make appliances that work with the is, space.
1: But kind of the time is right now build more for cheaper.
0: Build more for cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there are some ways to skimp on prices to be cheap, but when it comes to things that impact your sleep and your circadian rhythm, I think it's well worth the expenditures. All
1: right.
0: Okay, so Moving on without further ado, we do have a music review for today. Um, our music musical correspondent has provided us with an excellent album this week and an even better review. So Jenny, why don't you tell us what the album is and uh, give us the review
1: Yeah, shout out to the official musical correspondent for writing this. Uh, that person always comes out with great reviews. Okay, so the song of the week is Gunfighter Ballads and Trail Songs by Marty Robbins. Notes. Simple songs that tell stories of the West. Marty's voice is butter. The review. For this week's review, we are throwing it back to Porter Wagoner era of country and Western music with the album Gunfighter Ballads and Trail Songs by Marty Robbins. Released in 1959, Gunfighter Ballads and Trail Songs is a fundamental country album. The music is straightforward, with simple melodies and western guitar riffs. However, what really makes Gunfighter Ballads and Trail Songs a masterpiece is the enthralling stories and Marty's vocals. If you've never intentionally listened to Marty Robbins before, you know that his voice is smooth, rich, and his tone is utter perfection. The tracks on Gunfighter Ballads and trail songs are all vignettes that deal with classical themes of old west such as love vengeance jealousy and the grit needed to survive such wild times the album starts with the track big iron which happens to be my dad's favorite song of all time oh, my spot? <laughs> big iron tells the story of an arizona ranger coming into town to claim the bounty on a ruthless outlaw I have the fondest memories of listening to Big Iron on cassette in my dad's truck as we made our way to the dump. Why kids are so fascinated with trips to a crap heap is beyond me, but I would question anyone who didn't enjoy going to the dump as a child. Then there are the tracks Cool Water, Strawberry Roan, Billy the Kid, and Running Gun, which are all country standards that you've probably heard before if you ever watched a Western or a Coen's Brothers film. The most important track on the album is the undisputed classic, El Paso, a tale of love turning into jealous rage. El Paso is tender, dark, and filled with romance. At four and a half minutes long, it is amazing to think that El Paso was even recorded in a time when songs were never longer than three minutes. In my personal experience, the best way I have ever listened to this album has been with my dad and a nice glass of bourbon.
0: Perfect and i know that i got a good chance to listen to this album um i think this review is a perfect description of it especially the song el paso it's 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 a banger for sure i love el good i love the songs that give a little bit of a story to them and um like our correspondent said like there's an amazing singer amazing vocals amazing story but Did you get a chance to listen to it?
1: I did. Uh, El Paso definitely was my favorite. I also like Big Iron. It was a good one. Uh, yeah, I would say his voice is very buttery. It's very like the classic Western deep, um, I don't know, voice, I guess. It's really yeah. good. I liked it.
0: Yeah, it's got a solid vibe. And again, it's Gunfighter Ballads and Trail Songs by Marty Robbins. And we'll link to it in our uh, Twitter feed as well. At roses underscore rhetoric Okay, so that does it for the music review. Um, I'd like to hop into beginning of infinity. So before we get started um, As you know, Jim, Jimmy and myself have a little bit of a physics background We took some courses in college and then naturally a mechanical engineering degree basically takes those physics classes or those physics topics and makes classes out of all of them um, however I'd like to introduce the audience to Ginny's background on physics, and maybe you can tell us a little (laughs) bit about your background, your familiarity, and um, maybe just start with some takeaways for what you took from this chapter and things that you'd like to talk about it.
1: Yeah, so uh, the last time I have taken a physics class was in high school, Um, so it's been a long time since I've been in high school, and... uh, Yeah. So essentially, I know nothing about physics. (laughs) Um, I have a degree in public health and a psychology minor. So I didn't really study um, too much math or like, sciences like that, I guess, um, in college. So this is like a really crazy book for me. Some of it definitely goes over my head. Some of it I find really interesting to think about. um, Because he does, I think the book does have really good examples like the infinity hotel which we'll talk about i think that like made it very applicable to me and made it easy to understand um I definitely had to look up a lot of words mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah i overall i really like the chapter and um i don't know i think there's a lot of good points should i like say some that you want yeah to- so
0: let me just uh set the table a little bit so this is chapter eight that we'll be reviewing today and it's called a window of infinity yes so yeah why don't you just go ahead and give us a brief overview overview of your takeaways um what you thought the chapter was about and what it means
1: oh my gosh (laughs) what it means i i don't really know um (laughs) i think well he, he kind of is giving like a lot of examples of like what the possibilities of infinity are. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what it all means yet. I really don't. Um, <laughs> but he, I don't know. I feel like yeah. he talks about like the infinity hotel where and he gives like all these examples of like, what could be infinity in this hotel. And then he talks about like countable and uncountable infinities. And, I don't know. I guess he's just kind of describing what infinity really was. Mm -hmm. Would you say that?
0: Yeah. Um, He talks about infinity and infinity in the context of how it's, it is something that's very abstract and very difficult to understand and can seem like rather illogical at points and break some of the rules of reasoning. And he sets the stage for talking about it with this infinity hotel where you have a, a hotel with room number one, two, three, four, five, six, and then it just goes so on and so forth up to infinity. And he paints a lot of examples and he uses this as a model for explaining uh, kind of how infinity works. Like for example, he says that the rooms are super cheap because whenever a new guest arrives, then every guest just moves up a room. So a guest in room one would just room to move to room two, a guest in room two would just move to room three, and there's always space available so you could, in theory, have an infinite amount of guests coming in, people just keep moving, and it allows uh, infinite ocu- occupancy at a very cheap price. Um, uh, what, what's your, Jenny, experience been with infinity before? Have you really understood what it meant before, or is this kind of some new concepts to you that some infinities are larger than others?
1: Well, I well, I think I've talked to you about like my thoughts on space before, um, mm-hmm. and like so, space is infinity, right? Like it's an it's like an infinite amount of space, mm-hmm. like, and that to me is really crazy. Um, I didn't really realize that there was larger infinities. I suppose, like, I guess space um, would be a bigger one. I mean, I I really, I don't really have much experience about it. You know, I've seen it, like, in math class, and I don't really know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I liked, I thought he gave a good uh, explanation of it, because I did learn a little bit about this at school, but uh, to internalize it was a little bit more of a different story, but, like, for example, like, one version of infinity is all the natural numbers, and that's like a countable version of infinity. Yeah. So natural numbers would just be like one, two, three, four, five, six, and so on. Yeah. Um,
1: but that's like a more so yeah, it's like a smaller. Yeah,
0: it's reasonable, and it's a uh, that version of infinity is a lot smaller than let's say a version of infinity that's the number the amount of numbers in between two numbers
1: mm-hmm.
0: so example between one and two you have 1.1 1.2 1.001 1.00001 and it just there's way more numbers in between one and two than countable numbers natural numbers in yeah. the number line and apparently physicists and mathematicians can make inferences and learn certain things based on these differences in infinity uh which is interesting um and the reason infinity is important is because uh he says he says that it there's there's a there's a train of thought called finitism and finitism is where there's infinity just doesn't exist and what that does is it limits the knowledge that we can have and the knowledge that we can have in understanding things, because it doesn't give us that abstract ability to think about things like infinity. And I know that in the book, he calls finitism, he calls it parochial, which is a word that I have been recently introduced to um, from this book. Um, how about you, Jenny? Did you know what the word parochial meant? Or can you can you lay it out for our viewers?
1: Yeah, it means like narrow, like having a narrow view um, on something or a finite view on something. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I did definitely look it up though. And he had it at the end of the chapter too, so that was helpful.
0: Um, yeah, no, and it's parochial. It, interestingly enough, it can also mean um, of a church or parish. So like when you hear parochial school. That's where that term comes from as well. Um, There was some interesting examples that he painted with the Infinity Hotel, um, one of which was what to do with all the trash that the people generate inside the hotels. Um, So he painted the example of the person from room one after I think it was like 30 seconds would pass the trash from room one to room two. And then everyone else would do that at the same time. So everyone just moves the trash up one room every 30 seconds to start. And then they do it every 15 seconds and then every 7.5 seconds. And then that number just keeps getting halved over time. And then eventually, uh, just based how the math works, after two minutes of doing this, uh, all the trash is gone. Like you've effectively reached infinity. And it's just one of those things of math that, works out that way where the trash just disappears right and he refers to that as a as a singularity i believe and that's an interesting physics concept because it you hear it talked about a lot with like black holes and like weird stuff like that um did you did you did you were you able to like understand that or like Get where he was going with, like, the singularity?
1: The second half of this chapter was a little bit, <laughs> I think, too math-forward for me. Um, it, it was hard for me to understand, I, so I don't think I really was kind of getting that part. But yeah, yeah. definitely, like, the first part, I don't know. This was a hard chapter for someone that's, you know, hasn't taken a physics class, <laughs> hasn't...
0: Well, well prop, props for making it through it. That's uh, impressive, nonetheless. <laughs> um, but I also thought it was interesting and important because he talked about.
1: I like it, that diagram.
0: Yeah, there's a little diagram here, and if you are reading it, it is on page 173. There's a little picture that just shows how uh, the trash gets passed along at at a half intervals of time each step, and then eventually the trash just disappears. And then I liked how he brought up an example of like, okay, someone accidentally throws away a puppy in their trash. So the puppy just gets passed on um, from room one to room two, uh, and then from room two to room three, and it just gets passed on until it reaches the singularity. And then uh, all of a sudden they realize that they just threw away this puppy. However, the puppy's in the singularity at this point. And the hotel makes, the staff makes an announcement to undo all the operations that they just did. The infinite amount of pass downs that they just did, they ask them to undo them. And in undoing those operations, uh, you can't get the dog back. Like, it's just not possible because the dog's in the singularity at this point. And I, I thought that was, that was something real tough for me to wrap my mind around, how it just kind of disappears. But... It's, a something that can happen and something that's perfectly allowed within the laws of physics that we have. Uh, he calls it, he calls it infinite regress would be what it would be called if you were able to get that puppy back. Um,
1: which I think that was like, I really liked kind of the examples he gave for infinite regress because it made complete sense. Like he gives the example of, Mm -hmm. um, the elephant on the turtle's back in like the flat earth example.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I actually have that passage right here. It says, there's an old joke about a heckler who interrupts an astrophysics lecture to insist that the earth is flat and supported on the back of elephants standing on a giant turtle. What supports the turtle? asks the lecturer. Another giant turtle. What supports that turtle? You can't fool me, replies the heckler triumphantly. It's turtles from there down. That theory is a bad explanation, not because it fails to explain everything. No theory does, but because what it leaves unexplained, it is effectively the same as what it purports to explain in the first place. So the theory that the design. So, yeah, so it's just answering one question like and he gives another example, like who designed the the biosphere, who designed the world? And it's like, well, who designed that person that designed the world? And then you can infinitely regress down that passageway until uh it just it, it just doesn't answer the question at hand and he calls that infinite regress and that's something you got to be careful of because there's a lot of concepts and ideas that fall under this fallacious form of reason is yeah. what he claims
1: i feel like that's a perfect example of like infinite i suppose mm-hmm. um because we see it so often
0: yeah. And so uh, infinity's definitely something that's hard to wrap your head around. Um, okay, what what other takeaways did you have from this?
1: Let's see here. I wrote just a few notes down. Um I wrote down terms of relativity have no meaning in terms of infinity. Okay. I don't know. I just thought that was like an interesting point, I suppose, because I feel like we often put like constraints on our words and then I don't know because infinites, I don't know. It's, it's big. It's crazy. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's a big thing. Um, so in terms of relativity that I think that's kind of saying like, like numbers on a number line are like, it it's hard to find like the average of infinity like average characteristics of an infinite set i think is what he was saying with that mm. um but yeah that's just another one of those quirks of infinity um there was something else that interesting in this was he was saying how
1: oh uh, the triangle
0: yeah yeah he was saying how mathematical proofs and and uh scientific proofs in general Actually, here's a crow. It's from a, a scientist named Kurt Gödel. He says all almost all mathematical proof, all almost all mathematical truths have no proof. They are unprovable truths. So just being able to abstractly prove something doesn't really mean it's true. And one of the examples that he gave was um, according to like Euclidean geometry, triangles. If you add up all the interior angles of a triangle, it will always equal 180 degrees just because that's how like the math works, that's how the math built, that it has to equal 180 degrees. Uh, however, if you were to actually measure a physical triangle that lives in reality, uh, the sum of the angles would not equal 180 degrees. It would equal 180, they've actually measured it and it equals 180.0000002 degrees yeah um what did you think of that i
1: didn't get that i actually called you and i was like explain <laughs> this to me
0: <laughs> yeah so
1: did you did you figure out why
0: uh a little bit okay it, it makes a little bit more sense to me now after i read it a few times um but what he's what he's saying is that You know, back in the day when you had Euclid, like defining geometry with like law of sines, law of cosines, like triangles add up to 180. Mm -hmm. Like everything made sense. And then you had Newtonian physics, right? Like of monitoring, like how fast things fall and orbits of, of planetary objects around each other. But once Einstein came around, he developed his theory of relativity which essentially says that space and time are kind of dependent upon each other. So in other words, like in environments where you have a lot of gravity, for example, like a big massive object, you'll actually have slower time and the faster you travel, the slower time is. And it's, I don't understand. I'm not going to pretend to understand it all completely, (laughs) but at a high level, like space and time kind of depend on each other. So a triangle on earth is kind of on a warped, field of space time so space is not perfectly planar it's not perfectly level and flat so you do see weird things like triangles not adding up to 180 degrees
1: makes does, sense
0: does that make sense there's gonna be a test on this later so okay <laughs> um
1: i better get studying
0: yeah so that's just <laughs> That's one of the things, is that you can prove something on paper, but once you bring it and test it against physics, against reality, you can sometimes see very different things.
1: Yeah, I don't know. This is a hard chapter.
0: It was. (laughs) But I think there was another example that he gave on here that you were interested in.
1: The Great Simulator?
0: The Great Simulator, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. So he gives like a few examples of why we might be in like a virtual reality situation and me and Joe have kind of talked about like the simulation theory before. So he kind of touches base on that actually. I feel like you might be able to better describe it than me. So (laughs) I'll let you do it. Um, But it's definitely very interesting. Um,
0: Yeah. um, At a high level he describes, and there's a lot of people that talk about the simulation, but, at least David Deutsch, he talks about how one possible theory is that uh, the whole of what we think is reality is merely just a virtual reality or a program that's just running on a on a on a giant computer, and he kind of says that and says and backs it up by saying that you know perhaps the laws of physics are expressible in terms of computer programs is that they are in fact computer programs. And perhaps the existence of computational universality in our world is a special case of our ability of computers, or in this case, a great simulator to emulate other computers and so on. So he's saying that like our world, the laws of physics, this whole experience we have is kind of like super close to being like a computer program.
1: Yeah. What, how do you think this relates to infinity, though? I feel like it was kind of random for him to put this little part in. I mean, I'm glad he did just because we've talked about it before and I thought it was very funny and interesting that he mentioned it just because mm -hmm. of our history of talking about it. But I don't really understand why he would have added this to this chapter.
0: Well, he kind of... So, if we can go back to like that dog example... Like, once you lose the dog, you can never get it back. Yeah. Like, there's nothing to say that by undoing the actions, you don't get a kitten back instead of the dog. Because the dog's in the singularity, it's gone. Like, you could just as easily get a cat back if you undo all the actions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he is saying that the simulation example is another example of infinite regress. Mm. Um, meaning that there's there's no... You're taking a big leap by saying this. There's like no real, real explanation for it. You have to give up explanations that this is science. Um,
1: what do you think? Do you think it's a we're in a great simulator right now?
0: Um. So based off what he's saying, that the great simulation is probably not a theory that's based on reason and logic. Hmm. However, um it does line up with a lot of things very well like it is very consistent with a lot of the experience that we feel um i don't know if anyone's ever played minecraft before but um between like minecraft and grand theft auto uh i think it's like completely uh, plausible that we are living in a simulation
1: grand theft um, auto
0: yeah for sure really grand theft auto
1: well, why that one? I feel like that one's so like off the walls. I mean, I guess there are some off the walls people mm-hmm. in this world, but I would say for the most part, we're all pretty stable.
0: Um, I think the, the and
1: reasonable.
0: The the biggest part where I think about Grand Theft Auto is like so. If it was a simulation, or if it's Grand in Grand Theft Auto, let's take that. You have first players. You have. First player um, people that are actually controlled by real people, and then you have like robots in the background.
1: Mm-hmm. They
0: kind of just like do robot things. They're all kind of like do the same thing.
1: Oh no, are you a robot?
0: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I would know. But <laughs> I think about that a lot, uh, especially like when certain things, like you go to certain neighborhoods and you start seeing like more of the same type of car, or more of the same type of people in Grand Theft Auto,
1: mm. and like
0: uh, the billboards and just certain things. And I feel like I, I see that more and more in like real life too. Like just once sometimes you'll see like one type of car and then you'll just see a bunch of them. Or you'll see one type of person and you'll see a bunch of them. Or uh just people kind of fit in these certain boxes. It almost feels like like they were just programmed to be kind of like bots in the world.
1: Mm. But uh I don't know. I don't know. I can. What do you think? I can maybe see it. I do think there are some people who are first player and second players, but maybe not. What, what are you? Second player. Just kidding. <laughs> first player, of course. Uh, but I don't know. I feel like. I mean, I feel like you're pretty like reasonable and stable. So maybe you are a robot. Mm-hmm. Could be. Then a second player. I don't. I don't know. Ugh. I don't know. You're not doing anything too crazy. Committing <laughs> crimes like they are grand theft auto that's true stealing cars well i'm very
0: peaceful when i play grand theft auto you know i I obey all the local traffic rules um
1: drive really slow
0: drive real slow yeah all the good stuff (laughs) it's
1: hard to get cars that way though if you're playing well like nice cars
0: you can purchase them yeah through legal means (laughs) um but yeah, Grand Theft Auto and then Minecraft is another really good example. Like how Minecraft works is there's just like a few laws of physics that are programmed into it. And then it just randomly generates worlds. Like it randomly generates like landscapes with, like mountains and waterfalls and ravines and, you know, elements. And it's, it's like freaky how close it is to like reality
1: what do you do in minecraft do you just like walk around and look at things i don't really know
0: you do whatever you do in real life you just walk around you like i mean as humans maybe not you particularly but like you can mine minerals you can Mm. cut down trees build houses um you can like raise llamas you can like cook food and like go fishing i don't know it's Everything you can do in real life you can pretty much do in Minecraft.
1: Sounds like Animal Crossing a little bit.
0: Yeah, I've never played Animal Crossing, but
1: mm.
0: maybe uh maybe that's a simulation esque game as well.
1: Yeah. With like talking animals.
0: With talking animals, yeah. <laughs> 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 um but yeah, he used that example. I thought this that was a real interesting um example to bring into the context of this and I don't know what else what, what other takeaways are there from this chapter
1: that was my big one.
0: yeah no the simulation is a definitely an interesting thought experiment and if you, anyone wants to learn more about it uh, the Swedish philosopher named Nick Bostrom came up with a paper where he talked about the plausibility of it put some numbers behind it and I think that's super interesting as well to look up um And I think overall, in the bigger context of the book, uh, learning about infinity is big because the book is called Beginning of Infinity. And I think David Deutsch just really wants to hammer in the concept of how our knowledge truly is infinite and give some context around what infinite means and just how much out there there is to learn, to discover, and to uh, explore. So a great chapter, very abstract chapter. Took a long time to get through it, but um, very insightful nonetheless. Yeah, it was any, good. Any closing thoughts on that before we jump into our movie review?
1: I think you, you said it perfectly, Joe.
0: <laughs> Can't wait for chapter nine? Can't wait. Okay, very good. So let's move into our next segment here. Um, starting last week, we started doing movie reviews alongside with our music reviews. Uh, We have a film correspondent that has provided us with another one. So this movie is called Short Term 12. And you can watch it on Amazon Prime or on Peacock. So what's it about? A young supervisor at a group home for at-risk kids attempts to connect with a new resident while working through their own personal crisis. Is it good? I promised to start reviewing new releases, so this question is actually worth asking. But here, the answer is simple and resounding, yes. When I first saw Short Term 12 in theaters almost eight years ago, it was immediately clear I was going to be one of my favorite films of the decade. And I've been evangelizing for the film ever since. Writer director Destin Daniel Cretton lends a realism to the setting with handheld camera work, as well as an empathetic script built upon his own time working at a facility for teenagers. Even in its more heightened moments, the film feels grounded in reality, and Creighton avoids the trappings of dwelling in sadness by remembering that no matter the circumstances, there are always moments of humor to be found in life. As good as his work here is, though, good enough that it launched him into progressively larger projects, culminating in his making of the upcoming 25th film in the MCU, Shang-Chi, and The Legend of the Ten Rings, his greatest coup was in his casting. It's a a freaks and geeks-level accomplishment of finding actors right before they blew up. Brie Larson leads the way with a performance that rivals her Oscar-winning work in Room, for its sensitivity and strength, but she's flanked on all sides by exceptional performers. Michael Gallagher Jr., The Newsroom, 10 Cloverfield Lane, is as great as Larson's pillar of support as with her boyfriend and coworker, Rami Malik, two years before he'd break out on Mr. Robot, has a minor but moving arc as a new volunteer and a little over his head. Lakeith Stanfield, from Atlanta and Judas the Black Messiah, who had given up on acting before Creighton called him to reprise his role from the original short film, is a scene stealer as a teen preparing to leave the facility as he reaches adulthood. Caitlin Denver, from Booksmart and Justified, is heartbreaking as a young teen carrying a devastating secret. Even Stephanie Beatrice Rosa in Brooklyn 99, has a small part. It's a truly ridiculous amount of young talent, and they wr- wring every bit of emotion out of this extraordinary little film. So, if you've got to spare 96 minutes and don't mind shedding a few tears, you'd struggle to find a film more worthy of your time than Short Term 12. Grade A. Plus. Wow. And for reference, other films to watch um, for more Lars Larson combo, you can watch Just Mercy. For more Brie Larson and a child actor breaking your goddamn heart, you can watch Room. Short Term 12 is definitely the easier watch between the two. And for another 2013 gem featuring a loaded young cast, including Larson and in Denver, you can watch The Spectacular now.
1: That was a great review.
0: Yep. A phenomenal review from the official r film correspondent. Uh, I think I have to, to it.
1: watch it. I could go for a few you go, tears. You could
0: go for 96 minutes. Yeah. 96 that's minutes. pretty
1: quick. That is pretty quick.
0: It's a good time and, for a movie. Yeah.
1: And an A+. Plus. Wow. Doesn't get better than that.
0: I haven't seen it yet, but I look forward to watching it here in this next week. And uh, I'll make sure to report back for the next episode. So that does it for our movie review. Uh, let's move on to our social media shout outs. Ginny. Who would you like to shout out this week?
1: I think, well, I think we want to shout out uh, Dr. Drew and Scott Adams this week. They are in Greece, um, and obviously Joe and I are going to Greece, um, and that's pretty exciting. So, I don't know. Shout out to them. They met up. They had dinner with their wives. It looked really fun, and I bet they're just living it up in their five-star resort, and... Uh, cracking jokes and having fun
0: yeah lots, lots of lots of brain power on on one island there in uh, Santorini Greece seriously okay great um, and you can follow Scott and and Dr. Drew at, on Twitter, doc, um, Twitter Dr. Drew is drdrew and Scott Adams is at Scott Adams says and we'll make sure to link those as well um okay jenny i think that was a, a quick 40 minutes here um you have any closing thoughts on infinity hotels dishwashers movies anything else
1: yeah uh thank you so much for having me it was a, it was a good chapter it was hard but good um can't wait for chapter nine mm. um thanks for again for having me i guess follow me on instagram again at jenny find me in my podcast at gnt uh I'll come out with an episode tomorrow the 20th um yeah thanks so much
0: yeah definitely uh big shoes to fill with jimmy hackett being out but i think very did,
1: very hard
0: i think you did an amazing job at it and uh we look forward to having you back on the show soon oh thanks so without further ado uh closing out on behalf of Ginny kitties my name is Joseph Stanford, aka Jose4 underscores Cuervo, saying ciao.